You're listening to NFT 365, the first daily podcast on NFTs with your host, Fanzo, talking crypto, blockchain, Web3, non-fungible tokens, metaverse, and what the f*** is a non-fungible token? We'll get to that. It's time for today's episode of NFT 365, the only daily NFT podcast minting an NFT every day for 365 days. Powered by the ADHD coin at rally.io, here's your host and digital futurist, the ADHD superpowered Brian Fenzo. This show is not financial advice, so do your own damn research. Welcome back to another episode of NFT365. Excited to have you guys back again. And I will say, you know, with so much of the conversation, you're kind of being driven forward by NFTs. I've got some amazing feedback on our episode, a couple episodes back called What the Hell is Web3? And actually, that conversation kind of spurred a conversation for an event that is hiring me to speak uh, as their keynote speaker and really Kind of, I've actually spoke at their event in the past, and they wanted me to connect like NFTs to business, business to use cases, but also like where is the most like disruption, innovation, transformation going to happen in this kind of Web three environment? And I will tell you what we're going to talk about in this episode. To me, is it's exciting, it's essential, it's long overdue, but it's also Definitely going to be fall into that category of requiring a uh, you know a mindset shift uh, for us to kind of truly uh, embrace the change to shift uh, you know kind of some of the directions and things uh, that we have going on. So with that being said, you know we're going to talk a little bit about like digital identity, reputation management, but also connect it back definitely to NFTs, but even more so connecting it into a bigger picture of. You know, why are NFTs important today? And here's the, the interesting part. I'm going to make this statement is that I actually believe your NFTs will play a role in how, how you know, future loans and uh, you know, for your house and banking and credit scores are actually determined. How, you know, the, the NFTs that are in our wallet are actually going to impact you know, job opportunities, pitching for investment, and all of those things combined. Yeah, I mean it. And I'm explain kind of why and how and all that things fits in. But, you know, one of the things that I, we really try to kind of map through here on the podcast, but also, you know, like, I, I think it's important. Like, we can't talk about where we need to go until two things. We establish and, and understand where our baseline of knowledge is and understanding where we are currently and understand what were the things that brought us to where we're at today. And part of that in Web 2 was, you know, a lot of the you know, issues around, uh, you know, where Web 2 is kind of inspiring Web 3 is that, you know, we started to realize, or not we, brands like Google, Facebook, Instagram, Amazon, really started to, to understand that the data and the information that they could gleam off of customers was worth way more than an individual like uh, signing up for like a monthly fee. And part of that also became in this world where when we first started giving up our data, you know, we would click on it, we'd be worried about what people were doing. Eventually, and I don't know about you guys, but um, I stopped reading the terms and services. Well, if I said I stopped reading, it would mean I actually had to start reading the terms and services. They weren't written for us to read in the first place. But 
we have created a monster. And you could call the monster big data. You could call the monster big brand, big business. You could call the monster um, Wikilinks. You could call the monster, um, you know, <laughs> depending on which data service link you want to call it. But what the big piece of this is, is that we, we as individuals lost control of our data, where it was, how it was managed. And in many cases, we never really had any control to begin with. And then from businesses and brands, they, they went from not collecting much data to collecting everything to creating a, a cesspool of, of bad experiences and really missing the mark for their customers. And so in a weird way, the shift we're going through is as much for the businesses, the brands, the advertisers, as it is for us and the creators, but it's really creator-driven, creator-first. Now, the other part of this was because we weren't you know, used to this idea of our, our data being worth something, we also had no say and in many cases, no knowledge of what information was being shared or get this. Like I, I'll put this out there. I, uh, you know, I give a talk for many years called "Press the Damn Button," uh, which really just means there's nobody better to tell your story than yourself, and you need to press the damn button and put your story out to the world. And it was a, it was kind of focused on personal branding, employee advocacy, you know, thought leadership, influencer marketing side of the house. But one of the things that I always told people to do was like, if you have a, a rather unique name or a unique enough name, like Google your own name, search in Google for your name and look at what the results that are that come up. What you'll be surprised about is probably there's some information that you didn't even realize was logged on Google. There's some information that you didn't realize was being shared between consumers because you're like, well, they never asked me for that. And probably they didn't. Or if they did, it's in some like terms and services agreement or right below the checkout box where it's like, click this box with the tiny writing right below. You're going to make this giant purchase that you spent hours doing. Like you took all these hours to make this purchase. You're not going to go down and read that. They, they know that. And so with, with that being said, we, we walked into this world of too much data, no control of our data, the value being our data, our keyword being our data, but because we don't own it, because there's no control of it, and because there's no real security or management of it, I mean, how ridiculous is it? Then when we're, we're applying for a loan, or even when you're applying for a job, there's no real way on the internet to confirm that you like got your degree from that school. You have to like fill out a form and have them mail you something or they have to go check some like pieces of paper and say, okay, this was their official diploma. This is what we got, right? Like it's kind of ridiculous to think of that in 2022, why do we have to give so much documentation, right? Like we need, we need three places, three, three you know, things that prove that you live where you live. Well, first off, there's been a lot of bad people doing bad things that have been manipulating the system. Second off, there has been no permanent universal record that we could actually put all of our information on. Now, here's the reason that is. Because who would volunteer to say, hey, let's give every person in the world, put all their database on Facebook server. Truthfully, we kind of already did that, right? Facebook and Amazon and Apple pretty much have almost all of our data to begin with. But the shift in this Web3 is really, how can we shift our focus to having intelligent information accessibility where search engines can return personalized you know, experiences, but 
leverage only the pieces of data that they need to, that we've decided to share publicly. And going as far as to say, they're going to be able to be able to build an experience based on our interests, based on our behaviors, but in many ways, based on the data that we also control. Now, this tech underneath of this is called the blockchain, and right, and the and the beauty of the blockchain is that it is, you know, it's that permanent record that we as the users get to control. And I, I like to say control is an illusion, but in this case, I might have to change up that uh, that like uh, the, the tweetable that I I share there because one of the things now is that we do control we in the web3 world we can control the data and information we share right it can be on a, a hard wallet like a, a ledger nano x it could be in our hot wallet like our metamask and we get to decide like what how that is shared or what is going to be shared and this is going to go much deeper than that at a, at a kind of a larger le- uh, level but we're also going to see this idea of if data is no longer living in a in a single location well, that's a bit that removes a big security risk, right? Because the single point of failure, if all of your stuff is stored in one place, right? It's why, I mean, who carries a run around one bank card, right? We don't carry one bank card in our wallet or our purse because what if like that bank isn't working or if all of a sudden they flag it for, uh, you know, wrong purchases and we're stuck, you know, at the gas pump out of gas, right? We always have contingency plans or we don't put all of our, eggs in one basket for for what the the saying goes. And so one of the things that's really exciting about this is like we are removing that single point of failure component from our our information sharing um, online. The other thing that's exciting about this move and migration is that we are now actually able to create permanent records that will have timestamps as well as we can actually add attributions, contributions, um, interest, activities, um, dates, um, you know, to and from, uh, you know, confirmed hashes to where it's, we will no longer have to provide three proofs of something that we know we did online because that one proof on the blockchain that is minted into the blockchain will be there and it is immutable, right? And, and we can argue that like for now, like the, the blockchain is pretty secure. There's some things that, that definitely have to come into that. But the question now, you're like, Brian, okay, I, I get all of that. But like, what does that have to do with, you know, our, our digital identity, our reputation management, and really our personal brand? And I think it has to do everything. Because let's face it, you know, we are all in one business. Every one of you that are listening to this podcast episode, every single person, you or we are all in the business of trust. We are either maintaining trust, building trust, you know, reestablishing trust, scaling trust, uh, losing trust and regaining trust in some cases, providing uh, a service that facilitates a, a layer of trust into what we're doing. And in this in this world that everyone is in the business of trust, we've pretty much turned the internet into like fake it till you make it, catfish schemes, filter everything. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's literally a joke now that, you know, if someone tells me like, oh, Brian, did you hear about this? I heard about it on the internet. I mean, do we really even believe like that as a source? But we are going to say, if I can validate something about someone on the blockchain, then that is enough for me to confirm that they've done something. So like, let's take it, like, you can think about this in all kinds of different worlds, but it also comes down into our reputation as individuals, because let's face it, we know 
that our reputation itself is directly associated with the access that we get to opportunities, to the social capital that is available to us, to the authority that we have, to even like the influence that we garner over people, right? It's about our reputation, right? It's the idea of like, how trustworthy are they? And what are the things about them that we can, you know, we can learn, we can develop, we can design, we can figure out that allows us to either confirm or to prove wrong what that is about that person's reputation, right? And we've, we've heard this a lot on, you know, numerous stages, especially in the digital marketing world, where, like, your reputation is what people say when you're not in the room. Well, this idea of, like, digital identity and your reputation, really, when we think about it, is our reputation in a blockchain Web3 digital world is the ability for us to be able to have access to all of the things and all of the actions that we've actually individually, um, you know, kind of put forth. But for us to have control of that, for us to be the facilitators, for us to be the managers of that, right? And when you think about it, you know, it would be this, you know, if, if you look at like right now, right, Facebook owns our Facebook and Instagram data, right? And then there's hierarchies and, and, and different elements within that, right? Then we also have, you know, um, you know, there's, Scores of influence, right? Like there's uh, on LinkedIn, the followers you have, maybe even the, the brand score that you have as a brand. But in this like digital reputation era and like where we're moving and, and how we are kind of put together, the coalition of data, the management of that data, the integration of the data, and really the lack of, of, of sharing of that data because we don't want someone else to share our data has caused our current problems, right? Here's the, here's the interesting thing. Right now, it is not that we don't have enough information online about us individually. It's actually different. It's actually, there's two things. We don't have control or even a way to, to verify all of that information. Like, I couldn't even figure out before this podcast episode, I wanted to figure out when I started my LinkedIn account, my Facebook account, my Twitter account, and my Instagram account. I just wanted to know what year did I create those accounts? It took me forever to go into their systems to figure out each one of their own loggings of that, right? But that's my, like, I created these accounts for me, yet I have to go to their servers to find it and the information isn't easy to be found. And the reason this becomes even more important as we kind of move forward is that one of the things that we're going to see in Web3, and it still has yet to kind of, you know, kind of uh, shine its head, is the ability to then have some layers of either separating some of the information from the idea that like, hey, we want to share this information for um, validation of what we've accomplished, but we don't want them to see everything we bought on Amazon, right? Like, I don't want them to see the, the, the adult things I purchased, but I want them to see all of the, the, the events that I've been to, all of the things, whatever that may be, right? Like we're, we want to have like a little bit of a separation of church and state. We want to be able to kind of you know, figure out how we can manage this. Now, the cool thing about this is that the transaction logs and the transaction history in the blockchain Web3 world is all transparent and out there for everyone to kind of you know, view from the outside. Now, I know for some people that's kind of scary because they're like, Brian... I would never want someone to know how much money I have in my bank account. I can see that argument, but you would also say you, are, you would never want someone to know where you lived, yet I can guarantee growing up your address and phone number were in the yellow book, yellow pages 
that were delivered to the front stoop of your of your house. I can almost guarantee that unless you've been really methodical about how you show up online, it wouldn't take me long to figure out at least what city you live in, your, you know, uh, your phone number, whatever that may be. So it's easy for us to say, well, Brian, I don't want people to know all of my, all of my money or all of my dirty laundry or all the things I purchased, you know, my, my only fan subscription. I don't want, I don't want my work or my, my significant other to know that I have an OnlyFans subscription or whatever that may be. And I understand that, but that's the beauty of us switching, right? Because your OnlyFans subscription or your Ashley Madison subscription, or let's say your Pokemon subscription or whatever it may be, your, your DraftKings.com um, subscription, all of that data right now of you having an account is actually on their servers. So I know it sounds like you're like, Brian, this sounds so scary. Like, People are going to have access to all this information that I hold. The scary thing is right now, you don't hold that information. If any of those entities are hacked, your information is at the disposal of those that you've trusted your information and data to actually be given to. So now we're switching this idea and we're like, oh, okay, now I see where you're going on this. You know, what does this all mean? Now, when we're thinking about like, there's things like DAOs, right? The decentralized autonomous organizations. One of the things that, that are kind of, it's so funny in a web three world, we often are still trying to use validation. In many cases we have to from a web two arena, right? We are like, okay, I want to, I need a board of trustees and I need to get your credit report to validate that you should join our DAO or be a part of our collective or, uh, you know, uh, support in what we're doing. But in a world that was actually all logged on the Web3, we would simply connect our wallet and authenticate and say, hey, share this information that is securely and permanently logged on the blockchain on my wallet with this organization. And the cool thing about this is it also shifts the information that we're sharing to the point where we will no longer have to have a thousand individual accounts, right? Because yes, we're trying to eliminate single point of failure. But if we're able to secure in, in, in ways that we actually physically own and you know, two-factor authentication, uh, hardware wallets, uh, seed phrases, this idea of like where we're moving, the funny thing about it is this is what's so interesting. We're going to be able to have all, more of our data online and aggregated, but we're actually going to have, have the need for less of our private data, the things that we seem to care about, out in the open, right? Like, there should be eventually no websites that are holding your physical location, your phone number, your social security number, right? That should all be something that we individually manage and we decide, okay, this is the information that's logged. It is, it is, it is the real information, not because it's coming from me, but because it is certified on the blockchain, but I am the controller of it. I hold the keys and I am authorizing, you know, this DAO to review me, to, you know, to have me be a part of this. Now, this is exciting, but it's not even the most exciting part. The most exciting part is really this idea of tokenomics or the, or the social tokens that are going to enable all of these things to happen. Now, I know we don't really get into like the, the, the nitty-gritty details here on the podcast. I try to not go super technical. And I know some of you are like, wait, this isn't super technical. And, and I try my best. I promise I'm trying to translate that geek speak and, and not be as, um, you know, kind of, fully immersed in that you know, arena. But 
the piece that I think is you know exciting and interesting and really going to like kind of drive us forward is the tokens that are underneath. So like underneath of your your NFT, your profile photo, is an ER721 token. That is the token that, you know, the photo, the, the JPEG or whatever it may be, is representative of that token. Now, the interesting part about that is those tokens can then be utilized in all kinds of different ways. And we have, you know, we have the, the social token of the ADHD coin here at Rally. It's why I actually stopped calling it a social token and started calling it a creator coin because technically... They are both tokenized, but a creator coin is different than an NFT and it's different than a, create, a cryptocurrency. Now, the reason this gets exciting is in this creator economy, the identity that we have, right? Our digital identity, our, our digital footprint. What is the, the, when someone Googles our name, when someone looks us up, when someone wants to the validate that we have done what we've done, we've said what we've said, the beauty of it is, if we're, if we're logging this on the blockchain in a fully Web3 decentralized environment, all of that information is now there for us, right? Like I could actually tell you how many, I could prove how many Dave Matthews Band's concerts I've been to because I got a PO app at every single Dave Matthews Band conference I went to. Dave Matthews Bands could say, hey, I don't want to just reward the fans that are, are tweeting about me the most. I want to reward the fans that have attended the most of my events because at every event I go to, I give them a token, right? A POOP, proof of attendance protocol, or I give them an NFT that represents that event, that location, that time, right? And so this is one of those things that is really exciting about what kind of where we're moving, how these kind of things kind of move forward. And, it, and this could be even as much as like our, you know, our social tone, right? The idea that you could actually pull in all of your, all of the things that you're putting out, the actual sediment of all of that could actually be managed within our group. But also as a creator, which is really cool about this is that we can, we can all of a sudden as creators have the same amount of data and information about our customers, about our fans, as Amazon does, right? We all love Amazon. Why does Amazon, when you go on Amazon and you start searching for something, why does it seem like it always gives me like the best result first? Because it has all of that data, all of that information at their disposal. They know how long I've been a customer. They know how many times I bought Propel water bottles. I get them delivered every single week to my house. Well, guess what? As a creator, if you're implementing tokens for every interaction, every purchase, every transaction, all of these things, every event that you attend or you're a part of, all of a sudden now you have access to that same amount of data and you can reward people based on if you have these five tokens, then you get this. Or only people that have these five tokens get access to me doing this. And all of a sudden we're shifting that entire, you know, that entire experience to where we're able to now treat people even better than Amazon would have treated us in the past. Now, this also has, comes out, falls into kind of like the financial territory a little bit where I do believe that as we move all of these things into uh, tokenized aspects of the blockchain, the thing like your credit score is going to go away. Now, the, the problem with this is, and, and you know, and I always like to, you know, I, it might sound like I'm like overly optimistic and positive, but there's definitely some problems when it comes to this space, right? And right now, part of it is that our wallets, the way our wallets are transacting in the Web3 world is that we, we have to use them way too much. There's way too much activity and noise and they're not very well organized, but th that's going to come with time. 
The other thing that's going to come with time is our ability for us to really be able to manage a little bit easier, a little bit cleaner, the way that we think about things like, hey, show me proof, right? Like, you know, when someone wants to, you know, when you, when you, when you hire your next coach, wouldn't it be nice if you're the coach was like, hey, I'm going to give you access for the next 24 hours to my wallet so you can actually see the people that have hired me, the results that we've driven, and their testimonials. And we know that it's not made up because it was all minted onto the blockchain by those people on that certain date, right? The marketers, the scam artists that have been doing all of these things where they present you all this information, but you can't confirm it, but you can't really prove them wrong. So you're kind of stuck. All of that goes away. Now, that could be proof of work with the things that we're actually accomplishing. It could be, you know, where we kind of manage things. And the cool part is the artificial intelligence is already being implemented on things like TikTok. Anyone that's used TikTok, the algorithm on TikTok is amazing. It's freaking amazing. I mean, it is, a, it is an awesome, awesome solution, right? TikTok's algorithm, it serves up the content you want. All of a sudden, like I go watch five Jeep videos and now my entire feed is full of Jeep videos. Then I watch Steelers videos. Um, and then maybe I watch some girls dancing in bikinis. And then maybe I go back and watch some tech videos. But it, it, it kind of adjusts very natively. Well, imagine if we were actually able to have that kind of algorithm, that kind of artificial intelligence in the way that we were able to look at our own data to where we were able to look at our own data and say, I'm going to be buying a house and all of the information that we control and we own would actually be at our own disposal, right? We would actually be able to manage all this. We'd actually have it all, you know, kind of like in, in front of us in ways that we actually individually want. Now, eventually we're going to need to find like this, this is where like the, the, the main sticky point is that I believe is I also believe in second chances. I also believe that sometimes the data without context, not sometimes, a lot of times the data without context does not give us enough of the story. So we're going to have to find a way to understand which, you know, what data or information should be inferior, you know, should be, you know, time-based, right? Where this is only lives on the blockchain for a, uh, a day, a year, multiple years versus which things are going to be immutable, right? Which cannot be erased off the blockchain, right? Like things like our social security number and what, whatnot. But I think we are, we're almost going to have to go into like, uh, you know, how, you know, if you commit a crime, you only can be proven that crime over a certain amount of years. Or if you file for bankruptcy, bankruptcy, I think is on your record for a certain amount of years, and then it's off your record. We're going to have to figure out like those nuances within this web three world. But I can tell you like the, Right now, we have a siloed data information problem that is not even our problem because it's on the data it lives on everybody else's servers and everybody else's world. So the first step that we're all doing right now is we're taking control of our data, right? We're also putting it somewhere that is immutable, somewhere that is not deletable on the blockchain. And then we're going to figure out how do we manage that? How do we scale that? How do we interact that? And a lot of this functionality is being developed. I'm hit up by... I don't know, 10, 15 different uh, tools in the Web3 space a week. They're like, Brian, check out this tool where we're doing this. Or Brian, this blockchain was designed to, to manage uh, you know, uh, charity contributions. And we're going to allow people that, are, you know, that have done charity com- contributions to have all of their information up there on the website so they don't even have to prove it on our taxes. Like How ridiculous of it is that we have all of these digital logs, but with our taxes, we need like a physical receipt, right? Like, the fact I can't just give them my digital, well, why is that? Because it's up until now, being able to proof, prove 
the authority and validate the digital information was siloed so much so that it became impossible to manage. And Web3 was switching those parameters to the point where your reputation will match what you say and what you do. Your digital identity will be the result of all of the digital behaviors that you, you've actually done and taken, and you will have a say on what information gets shared where and how that's actually information is shared. And lastly, and, and probably most importantly from my standpoint, is our personal brand should be a reflection of who we are, not a reflection of how great of a marketer we are of ourselves. Because there's a lot of people in my life that are amazing human beings doing amazing things that nobody knows about. Because there's no, they're, they're not great at telling their story and there's no way for it to be validated online for the masses to be able to, to see what's going on. And in this Web3 world, all of that changes. Now I will tell you, we have the ADHD coin over on Rally. You, most of you know it's Superpowers, the, the podcast. This ADHD coin is actually, we're implementing this in, in a very much way that you're going to see. And I will tell you, I don't pat myself on the back very often, but I will tell you right now, between ADHD coin, the, the Mint 365 NFTs that we deployed for the podcast, our proof of podcast protocol, which we are validating for everybody that listens to our podcast and we're giving you an NFT, we're giving you keywords. And then the last part of this, which is like kind of like the bigger pieces of it, is we are giving you a, a way to spend all of this currency and kind of manage this marketplace of this creator economy. Right now, if you are listening to this and you participate in our creator economy that we are all creating right now around this podcast and the podcast being kind of the, the center spoke of the content, here's the magic. I know it can be overwhelming. This can be a lot. There's a lot going on. But we are actually walking through all of the things right now that soon, you know, five years from now will be every part of our lives. So even if you're not into buying a bunch of NFTs, learning the processes, understanding why I'm doing certain things, why the team is spending all this time on things that you're like, Brian, that doesn't, that doesn't seem like a, a traditional um, money-making opportunity. Well, guess what? It's not a traditional one. It's because I'm, we are building a creator economy here. We're not building a transactional business. We're not building a fan club. We're not building a one directional way of sharing and, and, and kind of putting things out there. And this is the last thing that I'll share with you. I'm excited for the podcasting to actually go onto the blockchain to where I don't even need you to put in a secret word when you listen to the podcast. You will listen to the podcast. It will log it into the blockchain. You'll share that information with me and I'll be able to reward you with free ADHD coin, send hats to your house, you know, be able to, to you know, bring an airplane and have you fly out to one of the events I'm speaking at all based on the blockchain and you opting into sharing that data to validate that you listen to the podcast and you listen to the entire episode. So you can tell I'm a little fired up. I'm a little excited. But for me, this is the best part is that our digital identity, our reputation, our personal brand, if you are a good person doing good things right now, this entire concept should be exciting. If you're a shady person, you're a bad person, if you're a marketer that's got away with shady tactics, if you're someone that has manipulated the system, if you're someone that, that doesn't appreciate transparency, if you're someone that sucks offline, and I always say that you're going to eventually even suck online, this is scary. And it's scary in all kinds of different ways. Now, I know it still can be scary in the transparency and now me having control, but I can promise you, we're going to put tools, you know, we're going to put insurance and things into place to make all of this work. 
But before we can do any of that, we have to take back control. We have to re, you know, kind of re-deliver the value. And we have to implement things that allow us to scale up and really create something like a creator economy that hasn't existed anywhere else. So as always, my friends, until tomorrow, make it a great day. Cheers. The show is not for-